Is social media a dangerous place for children? What can we as parents do to help our kids navigate this increasingly complex world of screens and devices? How do we raise our kids in this digital age? Welcome to the latest season of Growing Pains, a podcast brought to you by Honey Kids Asia that explores the challenges of modern parenting and provides a safe space for parents to navigate the ever-changing landscape of parenthood. My name is Ange. I'm a mum to two boys, Xavier, who is 11, and Marcel, who is nine. In this episode, we chat with Shem Yao, head of parenting at Touch Community Services and a dad of three. We want to detangle parenting in the social media era. The do's, the don'ts, the consequences, and everything in between. Hello, Shem. It's so lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Angie. So let's dive into the first question. Is social media a dangerous place for children? I guess it's not exactly dangerous per se. It's a platform. But we want to really equip parents and families with the necessary skills to know how to work with their children in scaffolding that digital experience so that when their children are ready for the social media space, they are better equipped to keep themselves safe, um, to be able to manage um, the various danger points <laughs> or danger areas that could crop up and could even affect their kids. So there are a lot of kids who are getting onto social media apps such as TikTok, Instagram at 9, 10, 11 years old. What should parents be mindful of when allowing their kids access to these platforms at that starting age of perhaps 9, 10, 11? I guess if you look at that age where we are, the children are 9, 10 years old, um, it would be a good idea not to let children have their own personal social media space and account. It should be still parents-led. I guess parents could use these few years, early years, to expose their kids to the ideal social media platforms. And besides, most social media platforms require a minimum age of 13 years old. So we got to keep to that. So my suggestion in always encouraging parents is to take the earliest, earlier years to share with their children what are positive and good role models of using social media platforms through their posting, through their the way they share, parents can show their kids, oh, this is what I share and this is what, uh, uh, how we do it safely. And so kind of going through the whole process for uh, where the parents can role model and show kids good examples. So by the time when they're 13 years old and parents feel that they are ready for this big, big, huge world, <laughs> that's where we can then, where the children are in a better space to embark on this journey. And parents have showed them kind of like the foundation of it all. So I... The perils of social media can include cyberbullying, low self-esteem, affect mental health. What can you do if your child is experiencing these issues and how can these be prevented? Well, I'll start with the easy part. How can this be prevented, right? Yeah. Uh, I can say it's about role modeling, but at the same time, we always emphasize to parents to articulate clearly what is a desirable behavior when using social media platforms from simple as amount of screen time given to allow for you to use your phone, the responsibility needed to, to have a social media account. So parents kind of have to start off as early as possible 
and share with the children or even build a process with your children the boundaries. And that is the prevention. And then this prevention can come in many, many forms. For example, it could be how they talk to others online, what they share, what they post, and what happens when they receive uh, negative comments. How do they process that? How do they deal with their emotions when they read comments that are inappropriate, post things that's inappropriate, that could be harmful, that can be could be triggering, for example. So all of these are something that parents got to prepare their children for. But once the children are on these platforms, they're on social media, they're on TikTok, they are starting to get used to the different type of communication and content. That's where parents can journey with their children. You know, how should kids deal with bullying? Mm-hmm. All right? It could be as simple as learning to stop, learning to block, learning to tell a parent or a trusted adult that this has happened. All right, and then we take it from there. So in many of the schools that we work with, with most of the mainstream schools or uh, school, MOE schools, right, they do teach this curriculum as well, all right, how to stop, block, and tell somebody. Uh, we always encourage parents to do the same thing, process the same information that the children are learning in school. So there's this consistent environment that everybody's on the same page. Yeah, and so I think that's really crucial that a very practical approach for children to take especially for the younger teenagers, like 13, 14 years old, like my son. You know, when somebody, it could be, this, this can also be applied in a physical world setting, not just in a digital world. All right, so telling the person to stop that, block, it could be just ignoring the person and telling a, a teacher or a parent. So for cyberbullying or bullying online, it's the same approach to that. Practical, simple, actionable things that they can do. But when it comes to things like, if I can say, um, Images or content that may trigger yes. anxiety. That's where parents have to teach par- uh, their children on emotional regulation skills, how to regulate, what to being open to talk to their moms and dad about it, their parents about what they are consuming online. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's quite a lot of things along the way. But like I always say, parents have to set the tone. Parents have to basically be able to build a good relationship where they're open, where the children are open to share and be very transparent about their struggles and what they do online. So we need to be reacting in a way that allows them to feel that they can share maybe their missteps as well as if someone inflicts something on them that doesn't make them feel great. That's true. Many times there will be, I guess the biggest challenge for parents is sometimes they overreact. Yes. When the children come and tell them, what's happening online in the WhatsApp group chats and things. Yes. Parents tend to... I knew it would be like that. You're never using that again. I'm blocking that friend. Yeah, and and, and that kind of... That was one of the key reasons why young people and children do not want to talk to their parents about some of their negative experience on the internet, on WhatsApp, or on social media platform. Because they're scared that then it will be taken away. Correct. So there was that concern. And so it's really important for parents to allay that fear to assure their children that this will not happen. They will not be penalized. They will not be reprimanded. Mommy and daddy is going to assure you approach this matter and this situation with you calmly and rationally. Yeah. Uh, that, so the assurance has to be established consistently. And it's through a lot of communication, sharing, talking about things here and there. So what do we do when our children come to us and ask us for their own social media accounts? I guess we could look at it from observable behaviours or traits that parents can observe whether their child is ready. So a child will always ask for 
lots of things. It could oh, be. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can, you can identify with that. Uh, they, will, they will always be asking for the latest mobile devices, the latest gadget. With a social media account, we probably want to introduce what we always introduce to parents, the idea of this um, S-M-A-R-T. All right. It's basically helping parents to attach what I call observable behavior traits that show that they're ready and responsible for technology use or even with uh, social media. All right. So for example, S is basically um, like self-discipline. So it's, it's a very big word, self-discipline. But what does it mean? It could, uh, so parents can then attach observable behavior traits. Well, are you ready for a social media account? Let's look at it. Are you self-disciplined in managing your time? in using the devices that allow you access, for example, to social media accounts? Uh, do you spend time at night going through all of these things with, uh, and sleeping really, really late? Yeah, so these are how we want to help parents to see if they are not able to keep to some of these boundaries, then maybe they're not ready for that yet. And you give them... Uh, so parents would want to create opportunities for children, their teenagers or children, to exhibit these behaviours well before they say, okay, now you're ready for it. So... What happens is that then the children themselves know what is expected of them and they'll work towards that. And in that process, they grow. They pick up the skills needed to be self-disciplined. For M, it's like being mindful of others. How do they communicate? How do they talk? Uh, you can start with just WhatsApp first because that's the baseline for most communication between um, our students. Are you mindful of the things that you say? You, so that is a baseline for parents to check in. Oh, he's good, he's respectful, he doesn't spam the conversation and chat. Um, he doesn't. Uh, so these are little things that parents can share with the kids in terms of boundaries and they work from there. So we have SM. A is analytical. Are they able to tell right from wrong, fake and real news? They are, they are, they are media literate. R is for resilience. Uh, are they able to bounce back from basic, online experiences like conversation with friends and somebody said something mean to them and you, you parents can observe that their kids are able to allow it to uh, they can shake it off yeah. <laughs> they can not, they are not affected adversely from it mm. and the parents can see that their child exhibits some of this behaviour that's appropriate that's a good sign and T being trustworthy uh, would the, are your kids able to keep to boundaries already set if they can't keep the boundaries that have been set for a long time, it doesn't make sense to give them more responsibilities. So it's quite a long list to go through. I know I, I say a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the whole idea. Because the social media platform is such a, it's such a big thing that even adults can't handle it very, very well. What more a teenager whose hormones raging, <laughs> who's going through so much on his mind, dealing with his own emotions, you know, his own emotion is at that age. They may not be able to deal with what's happening on a social media. And we do know that social media is designed to keep you looking, like the algorithms work, right? They keep feeding you content that that your eyes are interested in as That's well. Right. Yeah. So being able to self-regulate is such an important part. Being able to close down TikTok or whatever, because it keeps giving you, every time you flick your thumb up, it gives you something else that you want to look at and might be funny or interesting Correct. or it's uh, amazing baking or whatever it may be. But yeah. you need to learn, and I'm guilty of this 100%. <laughs> if I see some cute little rabbit eating strawberries, I want to see more, you know. <laughs> but I have to be able to self-regulate and go, and you've had 15 minutes. Yeah, it's they brought up that point about self-regulating. Mm. Uh, and the thing is that parents expect their kids to self-regulate. Yes. But the truth of the matter is, it is really tough for a young yes. person. 
Yeah. It's really, if it's tough for an adult, uh, more so for a teenager, a young person, because they are rude, <laughs> guided by first emotions. Yeah. And the ability, what we call the thinking brain, all right, the thinking brain is not fully developed yet. So a lot of times they are moving with how they feel. And as parents, there are opportunities and I'm sure the kids can regulate, can self-regulate to some extent. But we are looking, we are talking about platforms and and services, digital services that are designed to make sure you're not able to regulate. <laughs> They're designed to keep you going. And which is like you mentioned, you know, the videos just keep coming and yes. just keep coming. And just, and just, I've been there, I'm still there sometimes, you know, it's just, oh, okay, you know, it's really funny and, and it, you, you wow the hours away very, very quickly. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so then, I know we talked before about kind of younger children asking for social media and there are recommended guidelines as to when apps should be open for certain age groups. It's the same as gaming, right? It'll have an indicative age that they should start using whatever it may be, Roblox, Minecraft. Is there an ideal age, perhaps not just recommended, but is there an ideal age for kids to have social media accounts? I kind of feel like the longer we wait, the better in some ways, because as we talk about this, you know, being able to self-regulate and the hormones and self-esteem. But I know at some point you have to give in. At some point they need and will want social media. Is it less about age and more about maturity? I guess if you look at it from age, it's an easier guideline to have. Yes. Right? Maturity, it, it differs. But I guess from a parent, I mean, I'm a parent of three kids. My, you know, I was mentioning my eldest is a teenager now. It's really tough to just have a blanket and hard stop and say, no, you can't have it. Mm. It's not really, you're not ready for it. So I guess age might be hard to, um, I, won't, I won't go so as far as to say age. I think there, there needs to be a discussion and compromise between parent and, and child. There's also a need for transparency and accountability, something that we don't talk about very often. So if parents would like, if a lot of times this become a very contentious issue, and what's going to happen is that there's going to be tension in the relationship between parent and child. And that's not a good place to be all the time. No. Yeah. So if we had to find a compromise, I, I would advise parents to say, all right, if this is something that you want, let's not go down this route of being fighting over this. Let's lay, lay down the responsibility that you need to carry and what you need to do. And let's talk about it. Mm. And what are the consequences for not keeping to these responsibilities. But baseline is... 13 years old and above, according to the terms and conditions of the platform. But if you can delay, you delay it. But if you can't delay it and it's causing a lot of tension at home, then let's, let's be open-minded about it and let's deal with it. Set the right boundaries, the right consequences, and move forward from there. Because as much as it's a danger point, dangerous place, it's also a beneficial place. It can be, it can be such a powerful platform for young people to to connect with the world, to learn, to be a source of uh, what I call a source of uh, good, using it to inspire people. I've known so many young people who can who use social media to really uh, reach out, uh, run good social causes, mm. ground initiatives. So there's really uh, it's, it's really merely just a platform and tool, all right. And if we can, as parents, if we could ex- inspire, equip our children to be at that age, at that at that level, that would be the best case scenario. But it's a long walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long journey. 
Slight change of topic. Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> so sharenting has become quite common nowadays. And for our listeners who don't know what sharenting is, it's when we share our parenting nails, fails, think cute things that our children are doing or not so cute things that are, our children are doing. What's your take on this? Um, I think when it comes to sharenting and parents sharing about their experiences with their children on the internet, on social media platform, it always boils down and goes back down to why you are sharing it. Yes. Yeah. And and where is the line that you will draw? Mm. Because crossing that line will bring about consequences that sometimes we are not ready for. And so we always talk about parents on social media, they leave behind digital footprints, right? And it's going to be there for a super long time, for a very, very long time. You can't get rid of it. So you may not have to deal with this now, but you may have to deal with the fault many years down the road. So how do we... Uh, these are things that we need to think about. And I'm, I think it's fine that they can share because many of their reason or motivation were sharing. Like for example, for you, you might be sharing with families who could be back home in Australia, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I think that's a f- fantastic platform because it's easy. But is there certain lines that you'll be mindful about? That you will not cross certain things that you will be... That must be kept private or appropriate pictures. I'm sure your 11-year-old will have something to say about it, right? Oh, yes. I mean, when they were little and they danced to Moana or something, it was so cute. cute. You take a video and you send it, you know, to your sisters and your family, whatever. Uh, but now, if they're dancing to Harry Styles or something, and I dared to take a video and share it, they'd be really upset with me. And I've got to respect that, right? Because yeah. they're at an age now where they're aware of what sharing means. More self-conscious as well. And they're more shy about those kinds of things, for sure. On that note, you know, we have seen a lot of parents oversharing their kids' undesirable moments, you know, throwing tantrums, crying over exam results, some of which are funny and some of which are sad or whatever else. Do you think this will have detrimental effects on their children in the future? I think it differs from child to child, family to family. I won't go as far to say that there's detrimental effect. We will never know. All these are scenarios that we, at this point in time, are speculating or saying that this, this could happen. All right? And it's good to be mindful that some of these things to, could happen. But if we talk about it from a management point of view, from what parents can do to manage their situation, is to also um, be able to prepare process of children how to deal with what are the possible consequences mm-hmm. that may come along the way. So as they deal with themselves, so if I share this online, what could possibly happen? This is how I will deal with it. To And then sh- sharing that with their children, with their teenagers and say, this is how we deal with it. And that in itself, right, that processing, is also a skill set that you are teaching your teenagers, your youth to deal with when they post on their own. It's a thinking process that you are unconsciously role modeling for your children. Mm-hmm. And that's a fantastic process that is that's right. un- that's subtle. It's not like a sit down, I'm going to lecture you on how to post appropriately online. <laughs> the kid will say, go away. Yeah. Sure, mum. Yeah. <laughs> Following this then, should we always ask permission from our kids to share photos, announcements about their lives, you know, the happy birthday post or whatever it may be, how they've done in a sporting event, all the way to the extreme, you know? Or is there an age where we should really be asking their consent before posting anything? I guess when the kids when a child is of of age to have the maturity and the age to understand what it means to 
or what it means to consent, rather. To say, oh, okay, mom, you can post that. You're not, you can post that, you can't post that. When they reach that age and they can show they are mature enough, I think that's where you start to ask. Yes. Like, the key is when we start to think that we need to give consent when the kids are really, really young, that kind of doesn't really, um, it's not really effective, if I can say it, because the kid doesn't really, the child at, the, at a younger age, maybe, uh, for example, P1 or P2, may, he may or may not be able to, uh, the child may not be able to under, fully understand the repercussions of consenting and say yes, neither would they have the repercussion or understanding of saying no. Mm. All right. So that, so parents, uh, that when you're dealing with, a, with sharing your child's pictures or videos or information on, on social media platforms, have to take the consideration as a mature, responsible parent and adult and say, okay, this is uh, what, what's the purpose and why am I sharing this? And if, I'm, if I have to share this online because it's easier, what are the, what are the things that I'm, what are the safeguards I'm putting in place? Mm. So, for example, I do post about my kids online. And I do share with my family members. I do share with my friends. And I do have quite a big list. <laughs> Last I checked, it's about a thousand plus. Uh, but I do make sure that there are certain identifying markers that like their school is being, uh, the school badges or their uniform has been blocked out. Just a, a simple picture. Nothing out of the norm. Nothing that I will not share that is embarrassing. Yeah. yeah. And that's great. That's good enough. Yeah, but there's always that process where I'm mindful about certain things that should not be shared online because that may endanger my child. It may, there might be some unforeseen circumstances that allow some online person to piece together information and that is where, what I'm most afraid of. So I take steps like that and every parent can do that. What should parents do when their kids, and I'm probably thinking this would happen for tweens or teenagers, when they become cognizant of their social media usage and their presence and request that they don't want to be a part of it? Please don't post photos of me at all. Well, I guess parents should just respect that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if the child is not old enough to say, uh, I don't really like it, it's just like my son does that to, to us. Um, yeah. We're well, just okay. Uh, but there are moments where it's like, you no, know, a family photo, right? It's a family yes. photo. Every one of us are inside. Well, hey, it's not just a family photo. Can you take a chill pill and relax on that? Please um, let me share yeah. a photo at Chinese <laughs> yeah, New Year. Exactly. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I really want to share this with uh, your uncles and aunties. You yeah, know? with Amma. Uh, look like, at this picture, yeah. it's so nice. You know? Yeah, for the first time in a long time, you're smiling. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking at the camera properly. Such a good photo, can I please share it? So I think we, we should respect the, the wishes or you know, the requests of the children, the teenagers. Mm. But there are some moments where you can at least explain to them why you want to. Yes. Yeah, so I think that's, that's, that's a fine, there's that's a, a balance There's a game. moment to reason and negotiate. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. So yeah. take that from that, take it from that point yeah. would, be, would be the best. So how can we be role models to our kids on social media? Well, as I mentioned, I guess it's really practicing what you preach. Yes. Telling your kids, don't post this, but yet, no, you still do so. We also need to process good critical thinking skill, sharing with our kids. So one of the best ways to to share with teenagers or even the children is to show them live examples. Like once in a while, you see something that's relevant, you take it out and you process with your kids. You talk about them and say, hey, look at what this person did or look at what mommy did. All right. Uh, oh, this is, I saw this inappropriate post by somebody, Some someone posted something that's really uh, not healthy. Now this is how I block, this is how I stop this content from being showing. So that helps in raising awareness and that's how you can role model and give good practical example. 
I'm not the best example because I struggle with that. My wife complains about it. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> so why are you always on your Facebook? It's for work. It's for work. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good excuse to try and use a few times. But. Yeah. Uh, I guess one of the best ways to rule model is to have what I call a, a, you know, show the kids a healthy balance. The best sign that, that you are not showing your kids a good example is when they tell you. So I do have my kids once in a while coming, Daddy, can you stop looking at your phone and spending too much time on it? And that's a wake-up call. And say, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm gonna, okay, give me a few more minutes. Let me finish this up and I'll, I'll put yeah. it away. I, I've totally had my children say, <laughs> Mommy, <laughs> you're on your phone again. TikTok, you know, or whatever it may be. And sure. sometimes it is for work. You're on your phone answering emails. It's always for work. Yeah. But, yeah, but if I'm honest, it's not always for work. Yeah. How about with, I mean, we have talked a little about teenagers and I'd like to continue that conversation because it is coming up for all of us parents, no matter what age our our children are now, is that big transition. I know that a lot of teenagers become very private as they do hit puberty and become teens and they want privacy when it comes to social media. Should we be concerned and how do we handle this? We should be concerned. Yeah. Um, because go back, going back to the keyword that I was sharing just now about accountability, it's really important to start off this whole social media journey for a teenager with accountability. Because you need to help them to understand that whatever they do online, is whatever they do in life is still the parents' responsibility. And yeah. we want to keep them safe. So building accountability is really important. Sharing what they do online, being open, not... The child may not have to say, mom, this is my report card, this is what I did on social media today. It's more of establishing that connect, connecting point. So usually, uh, we always encourage parents, when you allow your child to have their first social media account, you've got to be their first friend. Yeah. <laughs> and that helps a lot. Yeah. I, I mean, I have many, many parents who I've worked with over the decade and say, oh, I, I sent a request to my kid and it's been two years and nothing has happened. <laughs> It, was it just hilarious. sits there. Yeah, it just sits there. <laughs> or it could be um, parents who say, oh, uh, yeah, I'm following my child now and I drop them a bomb. You know? Are you sure that's their primary account? Yeah. <laughs> and they look at me with like horror in their face. Like, you mean they can have more than one? <laughs> they can limit their posts so exactly. you can't see them. <laughs> so, so they catch, catch most of those non-social media savvy parents yeah. uh, um, off guard. And so we, I believe in accountability, setting boundaries right from the onset what are the consequences and talking about it. Parents need to have that good starting point. As they get older and they're more responsible, they're able to keep to what has been agreed upon, that's where parents can start to relax the string a little bit and allow the kids to have more, like for better word, the freedom to explore and be by themselves. Yeah. But because you did it very well, that through the accountability channel, mm. the child will always be will know that mommy and daddy is a safe place to be. I can share with them. I don't mind them looking at what I share, who I talk to, what kind of comments I make. And parents, like I said, don't overreact. Right? Sometimes parents will feel when they post certain things and parents will say, why, why do you do that? Why do you say that? You know, how could you do that? And, you know, and parents overreact. So these are things that parents can show that they will not overreact. And through that, the kids are more open to connect with their, kid, with their parents on social media platforms. How about things like, obviously we want to build trust, but... I have some friends that say that they just do spot checks and that's part of the agreement with their kids. That's is fine. I bought you the phone so it's and I trust you to use it, but I'm going to check it yeah. and you can't so hide no. it from that that's that's part of our agreement. Is that helpful? Is that a good tool in terms of being able that is to helpful. just yeah. That is helpful. That is that's the step towards building accountability. Yeah. 
it is as simple as not allowing my child to have a closed door when yes. he has his own private. Let's say when he has his own room, whatever he does, you know, doors must be open. It's the same idea. Accountability is there. So if parents start off on that footnote, it, it seems really strict. It seems really infringement of my privacy yes. from a young person's perspective. But it gives parents an opportunity to be to slowly release that. Rather well, they're than, on training wheels, right? Exactly. Term, yeah. Yeah. And by the time they are, is it, by the time they are ready, you know, parents will say, "Okay, I'll take a, I can take the pedal off a little bit. I can relax a little bit and see how they deal with it, bit by bit." But you are scaffolding that digital experience, something that we emphasize a lot at Touch Parenting. Mm. Yeah. How to scaffold your child digital experiences. So, speaking of privacy, what are some ways that everyone could manage their digital footprint? Um, when it comes to social media, I think it's really being mindful of what you say, what you post, not oversharing, all kinds of you know, whatever information. I think it's also being mindful of who you connect with. It means uh, being mindful of your of friends that you add. Once in a while, do a purge. Yeah. <laughs> Clearing your friends list. And, Who's this guy? And things like that. Uh, checking your privacy settings once in a while. Of course, things do happen. Um, these are little, little things that are simple, but yet, effective in managing what you managing your privacy on, on the internet, on social media platform especially. So our younger generation are considered digital natives. Mm. They're raised on modern technology, digital media. What can be done? We've talked about self, self-regulation, of course, but what can be done to manage screen time and social media usage? Um, routines helps. Yeah. Well, Paris, I mean, I'm sure many of the audience could have with younger kids, right? So it's always important to have routines. Yes, for everything. For everything. <laughs> all the way to, yeah, forever. <laughs> uh, but routines help because not only does it focus on time, screen time or duration. Uh, one of the key things about routine, it sets aside when in the day that they are using, uh, they are allowed to have uh, screen devices and screen time use, right? So that helps a lot. And this helps your child, helps to manage expectation. All right, mm. uh, so the child knows I can do it for one two hours a day. I I know I must do it between four to six p.m. just before dinner. So it's really managing that behavior mm. on a routine on a consistent basis. Of course, kids teenagers do spend a lot of time outside of that. It gets harder as they get older. It gets really really hard. I'm sure eleven the nine year old for yours is a lot easier than the eleven year old. Mm. That's when we talk about dealing with being a bit more loose about it instead of focusing on when they they should be stopping and when they should uh, not be allowed to use, focus on stopping at a certain time at the end of the day, maybe one hour before bedtime. There's no device time, put it aside, and they can start to wind down. Other things could be coping with it, coping strategies. Because many of the young people, or some of the responses from teenagers to their parents is, oh, I'm just de-stressing, I'm just uh, trying to play some games, have fun. Those are great, but there could be other healthy alternatives. So parents probably have to introduce that to their children uh, along the way. Um, so always set boundaries, set the rules and the limits and revisit these limits, these rules periodically because mm-hmm. things changes. Season change. For a teenager, he might be okay right now. Like my son is okay with, with the restriction. But I'm pretty sure things will start to change along the way. <laughs> They're going to start pushing and asking for more freedom and yeah. Yeah, and maybe needs change because mm-hmm. friends change or uh, there's maybe there's additional schoolwork that they need to gather and talk a bit more. So yeah. we have to be 
approaching this with a lot of fluidity, you know, being able to adapt to what is happening with our young people and our children's uh, situation, especially with the schoolwork. So, Shem, you've had so many wonderful pieces of advice so far, but I know that, as you say, things are always changing. We need more and more support and things to turn to. So what resources are available for parents and kids that we can go to for help? Uh, At Touch uh, Community Services, we do have resources for parents and families. Uh, So if you could visit our webpage at touch.org.lsg, at the resource tab, we do have resources for parents. And as part of at Touch Parenting as a service of Touch Community Services, uh, we do provide parenting support through various programs like workshops and even one-to-one uh, consultation services and where we work with parents on specific behaviour issues. So all of these are available. You can give us, uh, drop us an email, go to our website, go to our, our Facebook page, go, uh, or you can give us uh, our Touchline a call uh, at 1-800-377-2252. Thanks, Shem. Personal question for you. Do you feel that raising kids in the digital age is more fraught than ever? Or do you feel it's just part of growing up in today's society? I think it's it's just my part of life now. I mean, we have, as adults, as parents, we kind of enjoyed the non-digital world when we were growing up and then we got trust into it. We pick it up, we deal with it. Our children are born into the digital space in, almost immediately. They are on digital film and pictures on the day they were born. Yeah. <laughs> right? So they can't really run away from it. We can't say no. It is a dangerous place as we start out today's conversation. That's right. But it is also a powerful space. Um, and it has given us a lot. It mm-hmm. allowed us to learn so much for connection, access, and so on and so forth. We can't deal without it now. So moving ahead, I guess the, the key word to parents is that there are many things they can do well with this technology. It's definitely possible. But it does take a lot more effort because it's so complex. It takes a bit more time to read out a bit more, find out a bit more, so check out the resources, listen to more podcasts like this. <laughs> uh, but the whole idea is never stop learning, never stop trying and adapting your parenting approaches and strategies because our kids are being uh, they're very different. They're exposed very differently. And so there's hope to always uh, do better. And I think that's what we should be focusing on. We can't put it in the bubble. We can't hide, you know, hide our kids from what's going to happen. Rather, we prepare our children by equipping them with the abilities and skills to deal with this digital space. And so they'll be ready for whatever's to come. Shem, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been wonderful to talk to you about this. I have so many new tools now. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for having me. It was really fun. Wonderful. Thank you. A big thank you to Shem for our chat today. I am now joined by our podcast producer, Suf, to chat a little about today's episode. Hey, Suf. Hey. So what have you learned today from Shem and Touch Community Services? Children shouldn't be on social media. <laughs> I think that's the most important thing that I've learned. I like the touchstones that Shem was sharing about the smart. Yeah. The I thought those were really good. Yeah. And I think um, the more important thing that I think it's not just useful for like for kids, but also for everyone that's listening in is all about self-regulation, you know. You need to be mindful and there should be reminders on how long you've been on social media. Because when you were talking about TikTok, I, I'm very good with social media. Like, you know, I know when I'm done, then I'm done. But with TikTok, you just keep scrolling and then after that it's one hour later. So that's where I think the self-regulation I need to impose on myself. So it's either 
be aware of how long I've been on the app or remove the app altogether, you know? And it's social media. We're in that age where we're all ruled by it, so... It's so true. I could just keep going as well. And I do find you're suddenly in this black hole of time and you've spent 30 minutes literally just looking at cakes being made (laughs) or taffy being pulled or cute little rabbits eating strawberries, whatever it is. I think another thing that when we talk about social media, which I'm very aware of and I'm a little bit scared is um, when you go on social media, you always think that, oh, this is my platform and the only people who are seeing it are my followers or my friends. But... A lot of people tend to overshare and I always feel that oh, it's not the kind of thing that I would do but you see uh, your friends doing it or even parents with the sharing thing and, and I get very scared because I'm just thinking isn't that excessive? So we talked about sharing thing and oh, I yes. know Ange, you share a lot of the boys on your social media especially on IG. Will there come a time when you will cut down or even stop featuring Xavier and Marcel on your social media? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm i not a very regular poster, so I should preface that. I think, you know, once every two months I'll yeah. put something up. It's usually the boy's birthday or if we've gone on a family holiday, made my first reel, so... <laughs> <laughs> yes, so I do take away a lot from Shem's conversation and I do think that there does come a time where our teenagers may not want to feature on our social media so but then at the same time what I took from him as well is it's okay for us to say well we took a beautiful family photo for Christmas so can I please share that I think it's more that the conversation needs to be a two-way street from now on so if I want to share something of the boys I'll be like oh Marcel it's your birthday can I share these photos and just making sure that they're comfortable with what I'm sharing for sure yeah definitely I agree with that well that's it for this episode of Growing Pains thank you for listening and we will see you next time 